Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. All right, we're going we're gonna to look here in Deuteronomy chapter 16 just for a moment at a very important passage of Scripture. Verse, verse 9 is where I, I want to start here today. Verse 9 says, Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. Thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice before who? The Lord thy God. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant, thy maidservant, the Levite that's within thy gates, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, all of them that are among you in the place which the Lord God hath chosen this to place his name there. And thou shalt remember, everyone say remember. Thou shalt remember when thou wast a bondman in Egypt and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. I want to preach for a little while on this Pentecost Sunday slash Indy 500 race day. It's all about the finish line. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together. I pray that you would help us in this house. If you don't help us, we don't have anything. We need your direction in everything we say and everything that we do. I pray that you'd help me to preach with wisdom and clarity under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I pray that every person would be a recipient, ready to hear, ready to receive your word, and let your word not return void, as the scripture tells us, but let it bring forth growth in our life. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, and let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. It's all about the finish line. Now, I will tell you that there are here in Indianapolis many, many people that are excited about today's race day. And so we could either ignore it or we could acknowledge it. In fact, for those of you that tried to get to church this morning, you drove past a cars, people that were congesting areas depending on which part of town you came from. But you also probably drove past off of houses and mailboxes and even right here downtown in flower pots, all these little checkered flags. It's not because we just have random race fans popping up. It's because they're celebrating the Indy 500. If you're just hearing about that, A, that's shocking. B, you might want to watch the news, pick up a newspaper. Or C, just look around your city. But I would tell you here today that while many or even probably most of us in this room cannot name the starters that will be a part of that race today, almost everyone here in the next day or so we'll be able to talk about the winner of that race. Even if you're not a race fan because of the way that it will be plastered all over our city, drawn out and celebrated. And while I understand that in today's race there needs to be a winner, I feel direction to tell you that for us who are spiritual It's not about being the first to finish. It's just about finishing. That the race is not just to the swiftest. 
but scripturally to him that would endure to the end. I'd like to start at the very beginning of this message and pay homage to those that have been faithful saints for many years. You're not here because it's been easy. You're here because it's been right. You're not here because you have not had reasons to stop or the enemy giving you excuses to slow down or tragedies giving you reasons to walk away. But you're here because in spite of hell's greatest efforts, you have a resolute determination that finishing is your foremost priority. I start this service uh, message today by telling everybody that will hear me, if the devil had his way, you'd never finish well. But if the Lord has his way, you will finish this race of life and you'll finish it. We've all lost the race to win first. We've all become lately, uh, way too late to be the ones that could get into eternity first. Uh, the days and the years and the centuries gone by. But we do have this little book in the New Testament called Hebrews that tells us there is a great cloud of witnesses, if you will. Not the Indy 500 crowd, the spectators, which they expect to be nearly 300,000 thousand strong. I'm not talking about those that are sitting in the bleachers. I'm talking about a heavenly host that stand in the grandstands of heaven. And if you could turn your ailing ear to them, you would hear them say, keep running, keep fighting, keep living, keep pressing, keep serving, keep giving, keep living. You can make it. And I don't know how you feel on this Sunday morning, but I plan on making it. I plan on, oh, where my elders at on a Sunday? I plan on finishing the race. I might not be the most talented. I might, I might not be the richest person. I might not be the most proficient, but I will get to where I hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful. I'm going to preach it till I get more in this room this morning. I'm going to be one of the ones that gets across the finish line. And I might not have looked the best. I might not have sounded the best. But at the end of it all, I'm going to cross that finish line. I want him to say, well, well done, thou good and faithful. Find somebody, smile at them like you're a little crazy and tell them, you want to hear them say, well done. <sighs> oh, I feel like preaching. And if you don't feel like responding, that's your problem. I'm going to preach anyway. I feel like making heaven. That's how I feel. I don't care what's like. Maybe life's been tough. Maybe the last week's been hard. Maybe you've been all kinds of oil spills and mechanical failures and spiritual dilemmas. You could throw hell in an uproar if you'd get up on a Sunday morning. Say, wait a minute. Nothing in my life looks like I should, but I'm gonna let the devil know I'm finishing this race. I made my mind up. I made my heart up. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody on a Sunday morning. You gotta finish the race. Finish. Finish. Don't become a statistic that they talk about what you used. They used to be a worshiper. They used to be a believer. Because I love things that are taking place in our city. I found myself reading a bunch of history about the Indy 500, watching a bunch, looking at YouTube, figuring things out. I didn't grow up in a race family. I didn't have one of those dads that tinkered on the car what the 10 minute lube was for. (laughs) 
He might have changed oil when I was young, young, but somewhere along the time, pulled in that little place and bling. We didn't rebuild cars. There wasn't a lot of fanaticism in our house about watching a guy turn left for hours. <laughs> What's he going to do next? <laughs> There's a few race fans in the room right now like this. <laughs> Calm down. If you love it, I'm glad. And there's a tremendous amount of science that goes into it. But I didn't grow up a race fan. And we got all different kinds of race fans. Some people that are Indy 500 fans, you're, you're, not, you're fans of totally different racing. or you're, it's, it's all over the place. But I was reading and watching and looking and listening. One thing I've always seen but I've never understood is why are there so many different flags? If you're not a racer or a race fan, those flags are not just because they're pretty colors. But they serve purpose. Let, throw those different flags up. All these different flags. Now that's a vector rendering for those of you in the room. I'm going to talk about it. Green, pretty easy. Let's go. Let the race Begin. That's what some people in this room feel every time at a stoplight that it turns green. <laughs> hmm. Tomorrow morning there will be grown men in minivans everywhere. <laughs> Yellow flag. Caution. Signaling hazardous conditions. Car's got to slow down. Everybody say slow down. Blue is the passing flag signaling you're a slow driver. Make room for that car to pass. Black flag directs the driver to head to the pits and consult with the race officials. You got something going wrong. Red means driver's got to stop because of an on-track incident or weather. That black flag with the white X, the driver has been disqualified. You don't want to see that flag. That's when you keep driving and thought they meant it for the person behind <laughs> Red and yellow striped flag, substance like oil or water has made the track slippery and you got to be aware of the conditions. Then there's this white flag. How many know what the white flag means? One more flag, one more lap. That flag means one more. Everybody say one more. And then that checkered flag means it's over. The history of that checkered flag, man, it is debated. It's looked back upon and all different kinds. It seems the most general consensus that I have found in my studies is that because the tracks originally started with dirt and there would be a cloud of smoke and there needed to be a clear distinguishing finish. And that black and white checkered would distinguish itself. And, 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 and it came out of a, a 1906 race where, where they had broken it up into quadrants. The, the checkers had broken it up into quadrants. And then we end up with this checkered flag. And today they will start that race with a green one. And they will end that race with a checkered one. And whether you're a race fan or not, probably everybody in the room could have told us. Regardless if you knew what the yellow, the blue, the black, the X, the yellow, or the yellow and red uh, or even the white if you didn't know any of those you could have told us what the green one meant and you could have told us what the checkered one and we are living in a city that is consumed with that checkered flag today to which I'm doing my very best as a pastor in this city to rise to the occasion on this Pentecost Sunday and say for a city that is ready to celebrate the ending we better take a clear look at where we are because while everyone is in anticipation of that checkered flag today, as pastor and under the direction I feel in prayer, if I could, I will stand before our city and I would try to wave the white one. And I would tell you and I would tell myself and my family that I would tell this city, we better acknowledge that there's not much left. 
a clear look at the signs of the times would enable us to understand wars and rumors of wars, a turning of itching ears and men after the lust of their own flesh. There is a turning and there is a turning of desire and there is a acknowledgement of the things of the Antichrist. Pastor, don't go negative. No, I'm getting us to a place where we can positively declare. We better get our focus ready that there is one. When I was a kid, we would sing it. Soon and very soon, we are gone. I said soon Come on, sing it out, say soon. Soon. Oh, we. I'm getting some members for the choir. Now listen, there'll be no more. We are going. Oh, there'll be no more dying there. We are going. There'll be no more For we are going Said how I stand at the occasion on this race day To tell you whether people want to admit it or not It feels like there's only one lap left It feels like there's nothing How many remember when we always talked about the eastern sky? When we always talked about glory? When we always preached about it? Whether we like it or not, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Whether you want to hear it or not, there's only one doctrine. There's only one name. His name is Peter said, you got to repent. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. You got to be filled with the gift. How many has family that needs to acknowledge? Come on, you need to preach with me right now if you got family that needs to know this. Because if you're showing up for Sunday morning and you don't believe this, they definitely won't believe this. If you're coming to church every week and, they don't, and you don't acknowledge this, they definitely won't. I'm gonna tell you what God is calling us back to. He is calling us back to talking about his soon coming return. Every elder in the room, you preached this to me. You, you taught this to me. I'm calling you to this. Brother Turner, I'm calling your generation back to this. We've got to get his coming on our lips. We've got to get the soon return of the Lord on our lips. In the book of Deuteronomy, we are talking about the Feast of Weeks. For those who have not tied it together yet, Feast of Weeks and Pentecost were the same celebration. They were the mandatory pilgrimage of believers. The Feast of Weeks. You can read about it in Exodus. It wasn't a decision you could make on your own. It was mandated pilgrimage for celebration. We would come through the Feast of First Fruits, and some 49 days afterward, on that 50th day, there would be a celebration. And I don't have any because I would have made a mess, but I'd like to have a whole bunch of grain in my hand. Brother Golden wouldn't talk to me for days, probably. I just, I'd just like to just <laughs> like to let it fall in your hair like bird seed when you got married. Just like you going on the honeymoon picking that burns. They'd hold that grain up in their hand. And you know what they would do? They'd begin to worship. 
they begin to give thanks because they were acknowledging it was the start of harvest. It was the beginning and they would enter it with thanksgiving and praise. It was the green flag, if you please. It was the green flag of celebration. It was the mandate. It was the initiation of the course. It was the very starting line where they would get together. You had to come to the starting line. The same as there will be no driver who makes a unilateral decision today on that track to say, I think I'm going to start five laps in. I, I think today I'll just start three quarters of the way around the track. No, everybody starts at the same place. And I bring every hearer under the sound of my voice to this this starting line today, if we're going to get anywhere in God, it's going to start with thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm trying to balance the depth of the text with the surface for where we are just all across this room in different levels of relational value and biblical knowledge for the deep thinker. I want you to somehow smell the dust of that grain that was wafting through the air from Exodus all the way to Deuteronomy when they would gather into that city. Long before we'd ever get to Acts 2, they would be gathering in there every year. They would be getting to that place and whether it was a light year or whether it was an abundance year, they'd be taking what they had and they'd be lifting it up before God and the elders to the youths would be getting together and saying thank God, thank God thank God, thank God thank God, thank God thank God thank God, thank God thank God, thank God thank God, come on pastor say something else, we need to get back to knowing how to just say thank God thank God, thank God Thank God for the clothes on my back and the air in my breath. Thank God for the car that got me here or the bus that dropped me off. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Before I reap the full harvest at the very beginning of the harvest, I say thank God. Woo! Thank God. And they were all giving thanks in such a way that the only people who stood out were the ones who weren't. It should be the ones that don't give thanks stick out rather than the ones who do. And I'm not talking about the drama or the dramatic. I'm not talking about false humility or false praise. No, 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 no. I'm talking about genuine thankfulness. If it wasn't for the Lord, if it wasn't for the provision, <laughs> if it wasn't for the goodness, man, I feel like I'm talking to somebody right now. The devil's been trying to make you focus on the barrenness, but I'm telling you, you got a little grain in your hand and it might just be a little bit, but we got stories all through this text where the Lord was able to take a little and multiply it to much and it's not up to you. I'm not asking if you got a big amount. I'm asking if you got a big God. If you just got a little bit of grain, but you give thanks to a big God, He can take that little bit of grain. Take that little bit and turn it into much. In my younger years, I sang in this little gospel quartet. Hush. Southern gospel is what it was. We sang this song, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown. And you, if you, in whose name? In whose name? Might not have much. But little is much when God is How many in this room today? It's not because of your loftiness. It's not because of your grandeur. It's not because of the grain in your pockets, but the God of your grain. It's not because the size of your field. It's because of the blessing of your God. I can't get away from this. I said it a minute ago. I'm going to say it again. Some of you with just a little bit of grain in your hand, just a little bit of grain in your pockets. How badly would you confuse hell? Brother Faulkner, first of all, brother and sister Faulkner, we're so glad you're back from Estonia. We're, 
We love sending you, but we love having you back. But we stood in that office the other night, hadn't been back five minutes, hadn't been able to talk five minutes. And he said, he said, look at this, Pastor. Look at this. He said, came down to the wire. He said, I asked for one more. Going through the, I'm going to make him show you the picture. I'm not going to take that, but I'm going to tell the story. Goes through the phone. Where's he going? I knew where you were going. I just wanted to. He gets his, and it's him baptizing. Didn't show me a picture of you baptizing 100 people. In a city and in a country, right there at the end. It wasn't about, was it? He just said, here's what we got. Look at this little break in revival. Look at this. Now to some people, that's not a big deal. I'm going to tell you, that's a big deal in the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of darkness. We're not letting the enemy get any credit. We're taking that grain. Why do we march new converts up here? Now, we'll baptize people privately, but it's not, our, it's not my pleasure. I'm just going to be honest. If you want to be baptized privately because you're introverted, we do that. But my desire, I don't want all those people to see. That's fine. If you don't want to, it's all right. But if you can dig it. Because what we do is we lift grain in front of And we say, look. I got an old singing spirit on me this morning. How many remember what we would sing when we'd baptize them as a kid? Oh, look. That's all I had to say. Oh, look. People are like, oh, yeah. Look, different keys and different tones and different. I'm trying to figure out what church you were from when you. How many remember a song that you sang at baptism? Just shout it out. I'm so glad that I'm. Brother Healy, did you ever sing that one? I bet you did. Whoever sang, I'm so glad that I've been buried in the name of. Some of the young people are like, what about? That's, a, that's the main one we'd sing. I'm, I've been written. And everybody in the room, gray hair, white hair, everywhere in between. All shapes and sizes. Be standing around that little country church going. And then Sister Sue and so and so would just. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Pastor, are you making fun? No, I'm not making fun. When we got grain, we would celebrate. Our songs might sound different, but we can't age out of this. We can't graduate out of this. When we get grain, we celebrate grain. Woo! Turn to your neighbor, ask him, have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name? If you're sitting by somebody who said yes, raise your hand. Why didn't you celebrate? Oh, they were baptized a long time ago. Sometimes I just want to go back. I remember when they put me down. Brother Ashley put me down in that water. I can still feel it. I can still feel it. He said in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your... I came up out of that water and they were singing, I'm so glad that I've been buried. It was 35 years ago. Still feel it. I'm still glad that I was buried. Anybody that was baptized decades ago, you're still glad. You're still glad. You're still glad. You're still thankful. You're still happy about it. Woo! Say, Pastor, that's that's fun, but you've only got to the green flag. Are you gonna work through all of them? Maybe. No, I'm not. It's a launching pad. It's a starting point. Oh, Brother Mac, it's a, 
It's getting started. He said, I'm the Alpha. I'll be your green flag, but I'll be your checkered flag. I'll be the guy that starts this race. I'll fearfully and wonderfully make you, and I'll walk you through every oil spill. And I'll walk you through every stoppage. And I'll help you through every infraction. And I'll be the one that is the Word made flesh at the end of this thing waving the white flag telling you, get ready! And then I'll be there as the checkered flag at the end. How many have found out already that He's not just your alpha, but He is your keeper? Wouldn't you be disappointed to find that the guy who's named on the front as the author is not the guy who wrote the substance of the book? Put your name on the front to a work that's not yours. In academia, we call that plagiarism. Brother Brown, we've been talking recently about this robot, this chat. Oh, Lord. Conspiracy theorists unite. People all over the place wondering, what is it? What's it going to do to scholastics? What's it going to do? Many have come to the uniform conclusion. It might have to be that we actually have to watch students do work. Might have to bring them back into a room where we put that foreign object called a pen in their hand. You know, some kids don't hardly use a pen anymore. Might as well be a feather. Ask the average teenager to write you something cursive. You better have Chinese interpretation. <laughs> Kid handed me something in cursive the other day. I said, good try. <laughs> but that's kind of the thing that a lot of uh, universities are looking at. We might have to call them back in. And watch them do the work. I remind us, both novice and seasoned in the room of the same thing here today. He is watching. He's watching. I've wondered about this Indy 500. How do they even keep track? You say, oh, it can't be that hard. Have you ever accidentally tried to start your car while it was already started? Anybody out there that was thinking, ain't that hard to keep track? You know, they got flags and meters. And... You ever get it? Oh. The only person that excuses that behavior is you if you're the one that did it. Let your wife do that. <laughs> Let your kid do that. Turn it off. <laughs> Get out of the car. You try to start the engine while it's already running, dad is going to pop that hood. Get under here. Look. <laughs> how do they keep track? I want to tell you, here's how we better keep track, regardless of how monotonous it gets. Regardless of what the internet is saying is okay. Regardless of how much they're starting to desecrate this Christian faith, even in these United States of America. We better let this be our sounding board. We better let this be our governance. We better let this be the thing that is weighing how much time we have. And when I weigh where we are, Versus this book. Now some people get fearful by that. I want to debunk something this morning. The ending of this earth should not terrify believers. It should be the most exciting thing. There's going to be. Oh, I told you it's on me today. It's a problem. A meeting in the air. What's going to happen? 
when the saints go, oh, when the saints go, oh, Lord, Brother Honeycutt, you got a pretty nice, like, baritone kind of like, a, I'm hearing you. You might need you in the choir. It sounds good. I'm just saying. Just, Brother Honeycutt, here's the deal. I need you to know this. But it's not just for you. From the generation I know believes it. It's to the kids. It's to the grand. <laughs> Brother Coogan, I bet you believe this, don't you? But it's not just for you. It's for your daughter. It's for your daughter's daughter. And it's for your daughter's da daughter's. Yeah, I want the elders to know, but I want the youngest of our children to be walking around looking towards him. Soon and there. Right? I don't care which song you choose to sing. I just want it to be a part of your heart. I want it to be a part of our life. The checkered flag is right ahead of us. Oh, pastor, let's, what do you mean checkered flag? You know what I mean about there really are streets of cold. There really are walls of jasper. There really is a throne. And according to Revelation, there's... There's one, and it's not the judge of some race that's holding up a green flag or a yellow flag or an X. No, 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 no. There is a judge of all life, and there is a book of the Lamb, and I need my name to be in it. When I was a kid, the elders would call me close. My grandma would tell me, I don't care where your name gets, it better get in that book. I've had some fun times. God's been good to me. He's let me minister so many places. Man, I've pulled into cities where they had big signs with my name on it. It was embarrassing and awesome. Remember being young. I was a young preacher in the first city that I ever pulled into, and my name was in lights. Arrogant little brat. What were you, what were you thinking? I didn't know anybody knew my name. Put me on the name. I was right there next to the word potluck. <laughs> I promised there was going to be more to eat on that. <laughs> that 20-year-old preacher was giving, walk in there. But it was instilled in me. I don't care where they put your name. I don't care what person calls your name. I don't care what initials ever end up behind your name. It doesn't matter what degrees you get. It doesn't matter if you ever author a book. It doesn't matter if they put your name online. It doesn't matter if they... But your name better be in that book. I'm rising to the occasion on this Sunday morning in May. And I'm telling everybody, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, your name's got to be written in that book. It's got to be in that Lamb's Book of Life. Young adults, you hear me right now. It doesn't matter how much money you make, but it matters whether you're saved. Is it really that big of a deal? Yeah, it's an eternal how many believe this decision is still eternal? Let me, do, let me do a poll. How many in this room, and be honest if you do, but if you don't, please don't raise your hand. How many in this room, you know the name of the person that won the Indy 500 last year? Raise your hand. I see like three, three hands, maybe two. Earthly fame is fleeting. One year ago, millions would celebrate. But watch this. Brother East, when one person chooses God, heaven says, pull out the party favors. Hell Christ, get busy. Heaven says, let's party. Who's partying at your expense? 
I don't want hell having a party at my family's expense. And I don't want hell having a party at this city's expense. I want to wave the white flag over this church, but I've asked God while I'm doing this physically, somehow let it get into the spiritual DNA of this city and help us to do more than get excited about a race among men where the where the winner will be forgotten momentarily while we are all running a race where winners will be remembered eternally. Stand with me. I felt the flip, which means I'm not done preaching, but I got to stop for where we're at. Very first time they ever raced our, our Indy 500, 1911, there was a guy on there that was racing earliest known person. His name was Ray Haroon, he, he, uh, or Haroun, however you say it. Excuse me for race enthusiasts, but I think they got a picture of him. See that guy right there? That's the first person ever to race with a rear view mirror. Every other racer on the track had what was known as a racing mechanic with them. It, was, it had to be. And after this year, they made Ray and everybody have one. It's kept on through the 30s. Had to have a racing mechanic. And that racing mechanic's job was not just to inform you of the shape of your machinery, but it was to tell you where the people were behind you. It was to keep an eye on where you had come from. Whether you choose a rear view mirror or not, I'm telling you, every one of us needs somebody in our life that can tell us, think of where you came from. And if you're here today and all you can see is the dust and all you can feel is the exhaustion of the race, you need somebody, maybe I can be that somebody for a moment to tell you, you've come so far. Don't give up now. Oh, lift your hands with me in the room if you will. I, I want to say this during a time of prayer with hands lifted. I want to say it again. Don't give up now. Ooh. Oh, I didn't expect that line to hit me so hard, but I'm talking to somebody right now. I feel it when I Don't give up now. Look towards the heavens. The, the white flag is waving. It's almost. You're trying to decide whether you're going to raise your family in truth. Don't give up now. You're in this room and maybe you're saying, I've been running for decades, but I'm weary. The white flag is flying. You've come through many an oil spill. You've come through times of persecution and pestilence. You've come through trial and tragedy. I'm telling some senior that's been living this way for decades. You've lived all this way. The white flag. The white flag. Ooh, man. I need some... Committed believers. I'm not even there. I just need some committed believers. Some elder, I, I need some elders even specifically. Some middle-aged folks too. That Maybe you just on a Sunday morning say, I'm, I'm just going to walk down to the front. I'm just going to lift up my head. And I'm going to tell the Lord I got eternity on my mind. We got kids out of this sanctuary. They're all over this campus. They're gathered around. I need some of the patriarchs. I need some of the elders. And I need some of you next generation individuals. Some of you people in your 30s and 40s and 50s to get out of your pew and walk to the front end of this altar area and lift your hands and your head towards Him. We're going to preach all about Pentecost tonight. Right now, in this moment, I want an acknowledgement of the white flag that's 
as you come to the front, would you lift your voice and begin to pray, God, help my family be ready. God, help me to be ready. Get my heart, get my mind, get me zeroed in on eternity. If you've never repented of your sins, it is the gospel. That as you see the white flag flying spiritually, you can, wherever you're at in this house, you can say, God, forgive me. I come with a little grain in my hand saying thank you. I come with a little thanksgiving and I say thank you. Would you forgive me of every sin? Maybe you're a seasoned believer, but as you begin to focus in and zero in on eternity, maybe you say, God, forgive me that I've lost, I've lost sight of the most important. I acknowledge, Lord, that you are the most. I've got my eyes on eternity. It's on the finish line. On the it's all about the finish line. Can you hear it? The white flag is whipping in the wind. The news is broadcasting it. The earthquakes are speaking to it. The terrorism is acknowledging it. It's the signs. It's the signs. It's the... Men shall be lovers of themselves more than love. It, it's the white flag that's whipping in the wind. Ooh. We're within a lap of the checkered flag. God, forgive me of every sin. I'm asking the most seasoned in this room, say, God, search my heart. God, search my heart. Every praise singer, every musician, every minister in the room, every mom, every dad, every grandparent, Every young adult that's gathered under the sound of my voice, God, search my heart. If there's anything of this world that's taking my attention from eternity. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse us, Lord. I can't wait Join that song. Holy, holy. Just to bow down. Before your throne, Lord. Jesus, we sing in 
pray. Praise God. I'm so thankful for what we feel here. We're about to have one baptized this morning. We're thankful for that. Brother Trano, Acts 2. You ever shared Acts 2 before? Three or four thousand times. In Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, we remember that, right? Brother Hauk, they're all in one accord, in one place. Something happened. It's what we would call the green flag of the church. It's how it looks, the green flag of the church. That was a far cry from the first feast of weeks. It had been happening consistently for a long time, but there was a fully come moment. All that preparation. Travel all the way back to Exodus. When they start that, walk through those feasts, look all the way forward. All the way forward into Acts 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come. It was new to them, but it was old. And it was a new thing that looks like the green flag of the church. And we understand that it was post the resurrection of Christ and what had started in the launching pad. But there had already been a consistent feast leading to this moment. For those of us who understand that this consistent gathering to celebrate Christ has gone on throughout millennia. Century after century through ups and downs and darkness and oppression, there's been a consistency. But we're almost to the fully come moment. I wish... I somehow, as a pastor, had the ability to pour my heart open and pour it out more effectively for some who are not moved by what I'm saying. And I would somehow try to deposit in your spirit. He is about. And it will be about so much more than whether you showed up. I can't wait for eternity. 